welcome to Noisy Fulfillment, a Desperate Housewives rewatch podcast where we take you back in time episode by episode of ABC's Desperate Housewives. If you love what we're doing and would like to support us further than just as a listener, which we absolutely thank you for, you can really help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review and subscribing to this podcast. That really helps people to find us because analytics equals search results. We'll also read it on the air, so if you love to hear stuff you've written on the air, here's your chance. Also, you can become a patron by contributing at any monetary level by going to anchor.fm slash noisyfulfillment. You can also buy us a virtual coffee by tipping us in our virtual tip jar at ko-fi.com slash noisyfulfillment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash noisyfulfillment where you can comment on stuff, react to stuff, and also message us. You can also email us at noisyfulfillment at gmail.com. See how it goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to Noisy Fulfillment. We are Today we're breaking down episode 10, Come Back to Me, written by Patty Lynn and directed by Fred Gerber, the re-return of Fred Gerber. We've seen now three episodes with uh, him as director. And it first aired December 19th, 2004, right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. Uh, Amanda Baum, would you like to take us through a summary? I would love to. So we, everybody's got something going on this episode. Um, Brie sniffs out Rex's um, involvement with another woman, and mm-hmm. then um, some shenanigans ensue from that. Susan and Mike are trying to figure out a plan to um, take their relationship to the next level, which of course does not go as planned. Um, we have the Paul Young and Zach Young saga continuing, and Lynette gets maybe a little bit too much of a good thing with her nanny. Um, last but certainly not least, uh, Carlos is in jail, and Gabby decides she needs to protect her assets. Mm, very good. I, I, I felt like, not that every episode isn't jam-packed, but I particularly thought this one had, had a lot for us to break down, so I was really excited about this episode. It definitely had a lot going on. I will agree with that. Um, in the episode title check-in realm, um, the and, and I couldn't, I didn't find a ton back like going any further than that. But come back to me, made made most popular by Janet Jackson, the nineteen ninety song about yes. trying to rekindle a romance that faded away a long time ago. I definitely um, had the CD that that one came off of. I believe <laughs> it was actually. The first CD that I ever purchased. Oh my gosh, I don't. I I feel like the first CD that I ever purchased, I probably would have been like fourteen. Obviously, people bought me CDs like for my birthdays yeah. and stuff, but I can't. Oh, that'd be funny. I need to know who's pop, like like Aaron Carter or something. I'd oh. really have to look at. I really have to look into that. Dang. Okay. I think my first CDs were like Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears, and it was the Britney Spears one that had like a flower on it. Okay. And it was an enhanced CD, and if you put it in, you could see, like, music videos and stuff like that. That's real fancy. That, that might be the fancy. most 90s thing uh, about today's podcast. Um, so we move into our first words, and as we promised, Maisie Gibbons is back. Um, and in the first words, uh, we have uh, Marielle saying that in order to understand Maisie Gibbons, you first needed to know how she spent her afternoons. And her mornings were spent running errands, her evenings were spent washing dishes and helping with homework, but her afternoons were spent in the company of men, frustrated, misunderstood, lonely men willing to pay money to feel a little less lonely, and Maisie Gibbons was willing to help. Always a giver. 
She's just doing community service. I feel like it's almost like like she's tutoring, you know? Because she seen, it, it seemed when we met her before that academics were really important to her. So I feel like this is her version of tutoring. I have to say she keeps a busy life. I mean, because she's got plenty of time for the, you know, to threaten uh, Lynette's kids that they won't be trees anymore and they'll be backstage. Uh, right. Well, I mean, and... we also we know she's busy because, like, people needed to leave out the back door because somebody was, you know, on deck. There was someone on deck. It seems like that would be a client-prostitute um, confidentiality breach. Yes. Because you could yes. just say, like, that guy, yeah, she told him to go. She said, can you go out the back because my next client is here at the front door. But, um, there, I don't know, maybe if I'm the one going out the back door, I'd like to see who, I'd just sit there and wait and see who the other person is in case I ever need that information about them. Right, right. You got to file that away for someday in case you need to take somebody down. And um, she's very forthcoming with her story about how she got into this line of this line of sex work. Um, that her her husband had lost his job and they couldn't afford the country club anymore. Um, and it seems that she was somewhere one day and a woman from the country club said, "Hey, I haven't seen you around very you know much." And she said, "Yeah, we just can't afford it." And that she felt pitied by that woman only only for later on that woman's uh, husband to become one of her regulars. And I, I think it's, you, you know, right away who that husband was. Absolutely. We see that Rex is the husband in question, which must mean that Brie was the one who pitied her. And she now feels, you know, the smug satisfaction of having sex with Brie's husband. Yeah, that's I mean, I, karma, I guess, in her mind. So the only thing I would say there is that she can't share that smugness with anybody. You just have to be really, um, you, you can internalize like, yeah, this all worked out for me, but it's not like dish that you can, you can't dish that with your friends because then you out yourself as well. So that must be frustrating. Right. That, yeah, that's tough. Oh, um, after the break, we come back and we're in court and, uh, Carlos is not allowed to leave. He's being remanded until, at least until his passport can be found, which Gabrielle cannot find. Um, nope. he, he's refused bail uh, for importing goods made from slave labor. Hmm. And Tanaka the ass grabber has fled the country. It's, yeah, of course, he's nowhere to be found. That Tanaka, he's a shifty fellow. Hmm. Who would have known that somebody who's a business repertoire, you know, who who... Uh, is allowed to sexually assault his partner's wife um, that it, that you know he would also be involved in some uh, nefarious dealings who could have seen that Shocker. coming that's mm. shocking to me shocking in this morality so we, play <laughs> we go to Lynette's and she's trying to get a well-balanced meal and her kids refuse their Brussels sprouts so Claire the angelic Claire has you know is getting in her routine and tells her it's okay to leave and Lynette is not wanting to leave she's reluctant to to head out and let Claire take over but she finally goes I, I kind of thought Lynette would be running for the hills the second she had some good supervision in her house that she's paying 20% over what the woman had been paid at her previous place of employment which we can only believe is more than $15,000. So 20% of 20% more than $15,000 because that's the only number the show understands. Um, right, 
for everything. But I would be, yeah, we're, we're not positive. But yeah, she is paying 20% more than the, even more than the going rate, whatever Claire was making um, elsewhere. In terms of her wanting to run for the hills, I totally agreed. Um, it does, it does feel like she's worried that, you know, Claire's still getting her bearings, but Claire says she's been there for two days. She's happy to do it. It's all going to be fine. Um, and, uh, I agree that last, um, last episode you talked about what would it be like, what would it be like, where is she going to go? What is it that she's going right. to do outside of the house? Or is this person going to be there at the same time? That she is. So I think we're getting a little bit of an answer to that of what this is going to look like for Lynette to have in home care um, for her children and, and that she gets to go to lunch now or something like that. Not that that's yeah. not necessary to get away from your kids sometimes, but. For sure, for sure. Cut to Susan's and they're having a delicious dinner of Chinese food. So Julie spills that her dad and dad's young girlfriend might be breaking up. So. Susan and Mike, their plans for a romantic weekend are dashed because that means Julie will be home. Julie is loading up her plate and, you know, has a million pounds of homework to do. So she's going to go suspiciously eat her dinner in her room. Yes. And the weekend, the weekend plans are dashed. uh, And, and I'm supposed to believe that, okay, I felt very confident that the first time Mike and Susan were together sexually was uh, the same episode that Martha Cooper got killed, but maybe they just passionately made out. Could have been. It's you might have gotten to like third base or something. Um, but nonetheless, it seems that this is uh, this is imminent and needs to happen, and we just have to find a place for it to happen. Uh, but Mike says, uh, Mike says, well, what about my house? And I'm like, I, again, it's across the street, but it, so it's not like it's very far. Like, are they, like she's just going to go over in the middle of the day, have sex and come back home. It's not like Julie needs like a babysitter necessarily. Right. Right. That's, I was thinking about that too. I was like, why can't Susan go to dinner at Mike's? Like, why can't they be somewhere else where her fully grown daughter is not? And she does seem to, and Mike seems to say that too. And Susan says, I need to control the lighting. I need to have all my things around me. And I, I mean, if you had gone aw- if you had gone away for the weekend, that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't be had. true. Yep. You wouldn't have had all those things. So she's overthinking it. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's. I get it. I get it. It's gotta be there. And again, that's what makes me think that it must be like the first time that they're going to have sex because there's just so much theater involved. <laughs> right. So much pageantry. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. So up in, uh, up in Zach, uh, up in Julie's room, we find Zach back, again. Zach in Julie's room. It's fair to say at this point, it's Zach and Julie's room. Oh, that seems possessive. I don't want that to be his room. Um, and Julie is really conflicted about this. She really wants to tell her mother if for no other reason than this is all getting super complicated because what if she had had to go to her dad's this weekend? What would they have done with Zach? And um, Zach says, you know, I should just leave and Julie stops him. He's not interested in in um, Susan being in on the secret, but he says he's not going to be there much longer. Yeah, that was a, I felt like that was kind of a weird exchange. In terms of him saying, well, that he's not I'll be just, there uh, like, I'll just go. Like, just, it just, Do you feel like weird. it was manipulative? Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, he was kind of being a little bit of a martyr because yes. he's, where is he going to go? 
Like, he doesn't have somewhere to go. That's why he's hiding in this girl's room. So I felt like the way that he was like, well, I'll just go, was in an attempt to get her to say, no, no, it's it, stay. I promise I won't tell. So he took all, I didn't like it. She gave up all the money from her piggy bank in the last episode, so. Right. He's right. got all of, what, 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> he could go anywhere in the world. <laughs> oh, um, Rex comes in late to see Brie playing solitaire and drinking. It does feel like this might be the drunkest I've ever seen Brie. Yeah, she was definitely liberal with the white wine. I feel like we saw her pour two, maybe three glasses during this segment of the show. And it might be that she that's how late she's been waiting up for Rex, is that she's continually had her glass of wine. Um, right. And right. she's feeling pretty good. And she asks, you know, says, oh, it's awfully late for you to be getting in. And he said, you know, I'm going to bed. And she asks if he's been with another woman after smelling his jacket. And he won't answer. And he kind of gives her the, I'm not here as your husband. I'm here as our kid's father. Which I think, that's fair. You know, Mm -hmm. like that was their, that was their agreement. Well, not, I I don't know that an agreement would indicate that Brie gave her consent to that. But like. Mm -hmm. That, I'm sure, were the terms involved in the terms that he put down before moving back into the house. So, I mean, they're still separated in his eyes. So, I don't know. Um, I feel like one of my favorite Brie, like, quotes here uh, is that when um, Brie goes up to the, opens the door and yells out, Andrew, Danielle, daddy's going to fornicate for us. And he, uh, she uh, invites him to bring his mistress uh, to the house. That was, that was a lot. That yes. Was. And it felt like it was not telling of Brie because, I, I mean, for, for all the other issues, when, when he, you know, moves out in the middle of the night, basically, um, she says that he's at a medical conference, but now, you know, she's had a couple of drinks and, and she's going to share that information with her children. I am not sure if it was just a, you know, if it, it's just a, a idle threat. But she said it pretty loud. I feel like she said it really loud. But I also think that, like, the cat's out of the bag on the fact that mm. they're not together. You know, I'm, I'm confident the kids are aware. And that might be something, yeah, to, to explore further is that if you're separated, I guess I assumed that you might be dating or you might be, you might be moving forward. But maybe the children, maybe the kids don't assume that. Um, or maybe they're not interested. I don't really know. I don't get a lot there. I, I would think with Andrew and Danielle, they're probably not interested. Okay, but that makes more sense. That's just my, you know, bird's eye view opinion of that. All right, you want to take us over to Edie? So we've got Edie outside of Martha Huber's house. Um, she notices that the front porch is littered with newspapers and decides to investigate. And so. we... And we haven't seen Mrs. Hoover. That the the last exchange they had was really heated, where she said that she wanted Edie out of her house anyway, um, and went so to she, visit. Didn't her. she steal Edie's twenty bucks and then hide it? Yeah, I said it was over a yogurt, right? Like that. It uh, you know, Edie comes in, says, "Where's your purse?" So that she can take twenty dollars from her. Says, "I know you took twenty dollars from my purse," um, and she says, "No, I didn't. You know, that's a lie. I would never." And you, plus you ate all my yogurts and you're living here for free. And yeah, we find out that it's completely true that Martha took 20 bucks from her. 
Timber, yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so she's feeling bad about that. So we'll investigate but again. It's not hard. It's not easy for Edie to make friends around here. Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, so Gabby's searching high and low for this passport, and now the Yao Lin is the housekeeper is worried about how she's going to get paid and is asking for an advance on her paycheck because she's got to take care of her kids who are fully grown. <laughs> Now, with that being said, everybody should be paid for the work they do, and I shouldn't have to, like, explain what I'm going to do with the money. Like, my boss doesn't ask me what I'm going to do with my money (laughs) earned from my job. But, uh, so she's, you know, entitled to be worried about about that happening. But I agree with what Gabby said. People don't go broke overnight, though I don't know how quickly, um, given the the lifestyle that Gabby is accustomed to. Mm -hmm. I I, I truly can't imagine that she had too much... um, you know, too many impositions on what she was allowed to buy or something like that. I don't, I don't see Carlos as saying, as saying that, but money had to come from somewhere. So <laughs> slave labor it is. As they're in this conversation, the tow truck comes up to haul off oh, Gabby's so great. my breath away, a little convertible. And she does not want the neighborhood to know that that is what is happening. So she acts like they're hauling it to a garage to repaint it. <laughs> and I, I, on your feet, Gabby. I don't know how luxury cars are typically um, transported, but I just didn't see if that were the paint job. I am worried that you're not being entirely uh, ginger enough with that sports car, that <laughs> you're not going to mess up whatever's, you know, something else that's not even messed up on it yet as you're taking it back to the paint job. But yes, I agree. Quick thinking, Gabby. Good for her. Good for her. Don't say anything about the elephant in the room. Um, no. That would be a really awkward situation. That would just be a really awkward situation. I agree. Yes. Yes. Uh, Lynette, having left, uh, the children with Claire, uh, is over at Bree's house. I did expect her to do something a little bit more interesting with this time away. Um, but she goes over to Bree's while Bree's ironing Rex's shirts. Yes. And back to what you're saying about doing something more interesting, I also feel like this is not allowing her to get done all of those things she needed to get done. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. She's, she's leaving the house to just, like, piddle around, which everybody needs time like that. But if part of the reason she was needing that help was because she had all of this to do at her home to make the home run smoothly, she's not there doing that. Also, the kids, I mean, again, the the schedule is the schedule, but one, I never see baby Penny anywhere. I know that that's probably a production choice because having babies on the set is like having, you know, crazy. Um, But the other piece is I would think that the kids are in school for some of this time. It's airing in December. I would think that it's during the school season, Um, but none of these kids ever seem to go to school. No. (laughs) Except for Pot. And John, well, and John at soccer practice, so Gabby can slink through the trees. Oh, but it does seem like Claire is needed a lot during the day, um, which I would think would have been, you know, the trade-off of some of my kids go to school and I have baby Penny for eight hours and then you then pick up and drop off. But nonetheless, we know we know that there are some production choices, I suppose. Right, plot holes. So while at Breeze, Lynette is talking about how she – isn't sure if Claire's going to be able to handle it. And and Brie, in sort of a callous way, just mm-hmm. suggests a nanny cam and, you know, basically says, like, 
tr- like you can't really trust anybody anymore. So I thought that was kind of a shocking. I don't know. She usually just has such a chipper, positive attitude, and I feel like it was aggressively positive in a callous sort of way. Yes, and the the advice about you know nobody nobody can be trusted. Uh, right. People do terrible things when they think nobody's looking, and like I could see her going to radio. Radio Shack's not a thing anymore, but like the Sharper Image catalog and finding uh, finding a nice uh, camera to stick on Rex's like briefcase or something to see where he goes or a tracking device. A tracker. Yes. yes. I, I agree. Nowadays, all you have to do is buy an extra iPhone and leave it in somebody's car. <laughs> right. We did, by the way, listeners, we did just purchase a $25 pet cam for our house Ooh. because of our new puppy's aversion to his crate. We want to see, and, and it saved us from having him break his own foot this morning. So oh, there no. is something to be said for, well, we got him this crate that he hates because mm-hmm. he doesn't like being contained. And it has a side door that he realized he could push open. So he was trying to push it open and get himself out. Uh And my husband was sitting in the garage watching this happen on the camera Mm -hmm. and um, rushed in just in time to strap the door down better because we were afraid he was going to push the door open, stick his foot out, and then it was going to close on his foot. Oh, my gosh. Camera saved us another vet bill. I well, and the trauma of having to to see that, um, I you know, so safety precautions, right? So the nanny right. cam, it could it could it could be a safety it could be a safety issue completely, it right? Could stay it could um, stay what? It could stay what? Now again, I have had an, I've had a I think of her as a babysitter. She did not live in. I think Claire is even more than a nanny. She's an au pair, and yeah. like again, I'm gonna if you live in, you're an au pair. I. Yes. feel like that's the the definition of that nanny is like on call all the time or something like that and then babysitter comes and goes but I don't yeah. know. those those ones might be interchangeable nanny and babysitter except that I guess I expect some teaching from my nanny and I accept like errands from my nanny like my my mm. nanny took or Addison's nanny, Addie's nanny um she would take her to doctor's appointments so during the day while I was working as a teacher she mm. would take her to doctor's appointments so I didn't have to take off on a doctor's appointment and mm-hmm. well child visits will like they're monthly when they're younger um so that I mean that's a lot of time um yeah. and and a teaching aspect like Addie would like they worked on things every single day as opposed to please make sure my child doesn't like put her foot through a door. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but in terms of the nanny cam, I never, I did not do that. However, when my nanny was looking for another job after Addie um, was of school, was school age, um, I remember that she was in interviews with uh, a parent who was going to use a nanny cam and she wasn't crazy about the idea because she felt, you know, it, I might, maybe I'm not the right person for this job. If you're, if, if, um, if you're worried about that, um, that I would expect you to trust me. Um, and, and I know I, it, she ended up working for them, so I don't know what, what ended up happening, but I remember thinking, yeah, it never occurred to me, but I did have a really good relationship with her going into it. So I, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody wanting to know what's happening in their home. Uh, but I could right. understand even as a teacher, if somebody could just, you know, like, turn on a camera and see what I'm doing in my classroom. It's not that I'm ashamed of anything I'm doing. It's just, it, it is, a, it's weird. So I'm in that world right now with um, oh, okay. having to parallel teach for mm-hmm. my students who are at home because of being excluded for COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel pretty confident about 
100% of the decisions that I make in my classroom every day, but having somebody listen in to your conversations with people that you have a long-standing relationship with, like the way that I talk to my kids, like we joke with each other and mm-hmm. we, you know, we have our inside jokes. And if you're a person that's listening in out of context, like, yes, it always, when I stop and think about it, it always makes me feel a little bit nervous that somebody might think I'm, you know, busting someone a little bit when I'm joking with them and that's the way that we joke, you know, like we've established right. a relationship over the last couple of months that when you just take a one snapshot day, if you happen to be at home while your kid's listening into my class and you're hearing me, it just, I don't know, it's out of context, I guess. It, it was super weird when last year when all of the kids were home and there were a couple of parents that I was friends with and when they would be like, yeah, I heard you saying this. I don't even realize half the things I say. Oh, yeah. So it's it's super strange, but it's also, I, I also think that for your former nanny, how great that in that interview she was informed that that would be used. Sure. This is going to be covert. Just, right. I, and isn't it illegal to videotape somebody without their consent? I swear it is, but you know what? My husband and I just had this argument. He's like, well, then everybody's um, uh, ring cameras are illegal. And I'm like, fair? Oh. Because I guess that's fair. Yeah. So I don't know what to say about that. I thought so too. I, I totally agreed. That I yeah, think we tell our kids that at school when they're trying to videotape each other. Like, yeah. We always are like, that's illegal if you don't have consent. So maybe, maybe we're making up a law. I don't know. But it seems like a good law. I agree. And it seems like we must have, it must, it must have come from somewhere, right? But I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, yeah. Um, listeners, let us know. We took a deep dive on that one. I will also say, um, when we, we, before we decided to go the nanny route, um, the daycare that Addie was in, um, they videoed in every single room, video and audio. You couldn't just like log in and see, some, you know, mm-hmm. the room your child was in, but you could review tapes and they're like, we do it for safety, Perka. we do it for safety for sure. reasons. And also if you ask us, you know, how many times we changed your kid's diaper today, we can not only show you our log that says we did it at this hour, this hour, and this hour, we can go back to the tape and be absolutely certain. I think it also, um, with how much abuse happens yeah. in in settings with nonverbal kids or smaller kids, mm. I think that that's a good way to deter somebody from doing it, sure. but also protect your employees if later on they're accused of something when it's your word against somebody else's. Now you have documentation and evidence to protect you because, I mean, people's lives get ruined by being falsely accused of things, Mm -hmm. but also kids' lives get ruined by things like that happening. So I think it's protective all around in in a setting like that. So... And so to Bree's credit, right, that she's giving this advice about, you know, being, you know, being you know, why, why shouldn't we get to know these things? And obviously we know what she wants to know about her own husband. Um, and Lynette says, yeah, how's that going by the way? And immediately what you're saying about that, that, that sullenness, it's all better. Uh, we replace it with this, you know, smile and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And super Stepford. Definitely. Definitely. And she you know, Bree's just, she's not willing to be vulnerable in this moment about that. Um, she says, yeah, the situation is fine. Um, but she said, yeah, you know, Lynette's kind of probing a little bit more. She's like, yeah, cause he moves out. Then he moved back in 
And then Brie is at least willing to tell you that the situation is fluid in terms of what's going to happen with their relationship moving forward. Which is, like, literally the most that Brie has divulged to anyone so far this season about the, anything, honestly. The most vulnerable she's been with, the at least with the women, right? I think the only other right. time I think, oh, yeah, there might have, I feel like the time that she um, refuses to be sex shamed by, by Rex and mm-hmm. like really tries to, um, really tries to have an open and honest discussion about their sex life, that might be the most vulnerable she's ever been with him. But, right. but yeah, this is definitely something different that we're seeing with her. Yep, for sure. Speaking of sex lives, <laughs> yes. Trying really hard, and boy, does she turn it on. She's got the music, the negligee, the rose petals, leaves a note on Mike's door that she needs help with what her pilot light, or I don't know. I she calls, she doesn't, she calls him because she sees the truck going by. Like, and she does this kind of quick for Susan, like to have all these things av- available. I guess, I guess I'm a little impressed and also yes. exhausted. I'm like, man. Yeah. So much, so, so much. much. So, work. you know, we we know right away this is not going to go well, but um, she thinks she hears footsteps, well, she hears footsteps and thinks it's Mike, and of course it's Zach creeping around trying to sneak out, goes <laughs> to try to get out, and of course, you know, the timing is such that Mike's coming right in, and he sneaks back upstairs, and Susan comes out with her weapon of choice, which happens to be a thigh master. Yes, the so. Suzanne Summers product. Yeah. So, of course, who does she hit with it? Mike. Mike. Now, the only thing I'll say about the thigh master uh, is that it, you know, it could could protect you, that you could distract somebody for long enough. Had that been Bree's house, it would have been a gun. So. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and yes. We'd have more bloodshed. Of course. It, I mean, of course, it has to be, it has to be Mike. Um, but... You just said this. She's like, I'm. She's like, so you came out with a wearing a negligee with a thigh master. Well, I was going to seduce you, and he's like, well, good luck. <laughs> that was the most unsexy uh, way to 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 get that happening. Uh, but they are they then encounter um, Zach while she's in her negligee. Yep, yep. And then Julie comes home from school, and everybody's sitting around the table. And I love so. it. Julie. Julie says. Oh, Zach, what are you doing here? And it's like the jig is up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just give it up, sis. Just give it up. Oh, and what what that must be for Susan for this moment, this moment to have come where it's like, what? My daughter lied to me. I can't believe it. Um, and also this this child saw me half naked. I mean, just a real blow. She doesn't get to have sex now. Um, the weekend plans are off. My daughter lied to me. This kid saw me in my lingerie. It's just, it's been a shit day. Yeah. But, I mean, can she be that embarrassed? Because remember earlier in the season, everybody saw her full bare ass naked when Carl drove away with her towel in his car. Now, did everybody? Because are we supposed to suspend suspend disbelief that she wasn't seen by anybody else? Only Mike's are? Right. But then she's half naked at the runway show. Part of this is just gratuitous. That's true, too. Oh, so many questions for our Susan. I do still love her. She is still my favorite, but. Hmm. All right, over to Lynette. 
I looked like that, I don't know. I might be naked more often, too. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) No shame. Oh, so Lynette goes with the nanny cam and decides to put it in a creepy frog on the fridge. It is a creepy frog on top of the fridge, but great angles. Yeah, she and she tested those angles in a really uncomfortable way. With the teddy bear acting out child abuse on the teddy bear. And also, okay, she has the the camera set up and she's checking it on the TV next to her. How is she positive that nobody else can access that channel later? I did not go there. How awkward could that, you know, could that be if somebody else tried to, you know, turn on that TV and then, hey, wait, this is the kitchen and that's me and wait, what's happening? That's so funny because I was, in my head, I was like, 2022, that she's got it on, like, she's going to watch it on her iPad or something. Yes. Like she's got an app. Yeah. This is pre-app. Pre-app. Yes. Um, so anyway, I mean, I just thought that, I, you're right, I thought that was, that was where I went with that is, man, if I'm going to do this and it's going to be covert, I need to make absolutely sure I'm not going to be found out or caught catching somebody doing something like i have every right yeah, to do that's it, a but hard I one to talk know. yourself so it's a hard one to talk yourself out of i would think you mm-hmm. know like to talk to talk your way out of with somebody None, nonetheless the camera is operational and can't wait to see what uh, what she's able to to catch I, I my thought was you'll be able to see uh tom coming down and getting a snack out of the fridge or an extra beer that you told him he, could, he couldn't have Oh, back at Susan's house, um, Julie and Susan are fighting about whether or not they're going to tell Paul, Zach's dad, where he is. Um, and Mike agrees that, you know, we could get in a lot of trouble. We have to tell him. He's also his dad. He cares about him and, you know, is going crazy wondering where he is. Yep. So he walks him, walks Zach across and gives him his number in case anything goes really wrong. Paul comes out and he's he seems relieved, but... I feel like your ki- your wife has just died. Your kid, you've put your kid in inpatient. He disappears. Like, it just seemed like a very calm reunion to me. Yes. Uh, maybe he's taking some of the medication that they were giving Zach at Silvercrest. He's in a quasi-comatose <laughs> setting as well. Um, but I, I, I just think also around Paul, it's just that, that Paul Young antagonist check-in that we do is that, you know, he's just a shifty dude. Yeah, totally shifty. 100% shifty. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, um, we get to find out some of, yeah, what some of Maisie's, um, you know, special services. I would assume these are a la carte services or premium services that she doesn't necessarily do with everybody. Um, yeah, and, and Rex, you know, she asks him if he wants pearls or... Or um, she said spikes or studs. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what she said. I think it was spikes. And then, yep. you know, stilettos or boots. And he was like, whatever you want. And in the middle of all of this, they're having a conversation about whether or not he still loves his wife. Which he says he does. He absolutely admits. He's like, I never said I don't love her. Right. He did have an opinion about cuffs, though. He, he was like, he didn't leave that one up to Maisie. Stilettos he didn't leave up to her boots or stilettos yeah he said he was visibly turned on by the idea of stilettos versus no no worries but she did put the cuffs in her in her bustier that that she's gonna use them for later yeah yeah um but 
I agree with you that as, you know, as she's asking these questions about the things that she should be wearing or that she's going to use to dom- dominatrix him, um, <laughs> um, that, that verb you just created. I, did I, it was, did I, I, I verbed and or nouned uh, a word that wasn't either, but um, I love the, you're right, I love the advice that's going on and, and some of the things that we're, we're learning, right? She said, why don't you just tell Brie what you need? And he's, then he said, because she'll say no. And she says, but I've said no to things before. And he's like, well, I don't care if you reject me. And there's so much there. One, I felt from Maisie's point is that, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just tell her what you need? And I felt like it wasn't, you're really uh, pulling for us two crazy kids to work things out. It was uh, another way to humiliate Brie, whether or not she knows it that it's another way to pull at that is that this is something I can give to him that his own wife can't. Um, and I already don't like her. So I took it as she was trying to give him good advice, but like now that you say that for sure, for sure, like tell her what you want. Cause I know I, I can't picture Brie doing that, but then again, you also can't picture Brie having the full arsenal of guns. So Brie's complicated. Maybe, maybe this role is made for Brie. Um, I felt for Maisie when, and we shouldn't feel for Maisie in this situation, but I felt, well, maybe we should, I don't know. But I felt for her when he was like, well, I don't care what, basically, I don't care what you think. I mean, it was demeaning. What? It was demeaning. I don't care what you think. You're the hired help. (laughs) Which she's chosen that role. Like she's not trying to have a relationship with him Mm -hmm. and she doesn't really care what he thinks either, but I just. I was like, wow, that was cold. That was really yeah. cold. Yeah. I definitely think it was cold. Um, it, just so, there's some, some layer of complexity there, but that he is positive that she would say no when we know a few episodes ago she was begging him to tell her what it is that he's not getting out of their physical relationship, and he's the one that, that turns and runs. Right. Right. Well, I, I feel like he's likely embarrassed that there's something that's like out of the norm that he mm. needs. So. I get, and I guess if we go back to the talk about a sexual surrogate, that uh, that you know she did, she was like, absolutely, this is ridiculous. When is your midlife crisis going to be over? So maybe there is that fear of of rejection of asking a partner for something that you want or need. Um, and that especially when your partner is like miss perfect mm. every like that's that's a tough person to bear your soul to i would think because she spends her whole day being judgmental of every single thing mm. so the last thing you want to do is open yourself up to somebody who you watch them judge everybody all day long well as uh as we leave the the uh the comfort of macy gibbons okay i gotta stop this one sorry Shouldn't you have a dedicated room for your sex? Yeah, work? the the whole like family portrait. Yes. Shine it in all your all your little trinkets in your bedroom, like no, no. And I mean, really, I would I would expect that that's not a turn on for somebody else, though that might be a kink for someone else. But like that, you should have a dedicated space. <laughs> like, is this the same a bedroom your chill- your office? You yes. should have your office. If you're gonna work from home, you should have an office. 
Oh, that's perfect. That's 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 some real 2022 logic uh, there. But it it, it it did feel like there should be an extra room there because that's the same room that she is going to have sex with her own husband in, who presumably knows about this. I do, I have questions. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll leave her for a minute. Um, but Gabby learns that the government is about to seize all of her personal property, some of which, like she says, she earned herself before she was married as a model. Right. She had to sit on a rock in a bikini for that painting. It was eight hours. I don't want to be in a bikini either. That chafes. So I do really like her strategy of like, oh, Brie, you've always liked my china. Here, you can borrow it for a while. And then this and... teeny person is, like, shoving a dolly with her couch and, like, all of her belongings down the street. Like, what these people do in broad daylight, it's just too much. Um, so IMDB says that there's a goof here that you can see um, the shadow of somebody helping to push the sofa um, because it would be too heavy for Eva Longoria to push herself. Um, I do not see it. I, I watched that scene twice trying to find it, and I did not see it. So viewers, let us know. Give us a timestamp and, and circle it or a screenshot because I did not see it. IMDb is calling it a goof, but unless they took it out in post after this, um, you know, when they send it, when they sent it for streaming services, which is possible, they did that with Game of Thrones and the Starbucks cup. Um, they took you, it out. Oh, they I love did. That Starbucks cup. I know, but they were humiliated, so they did it. So it's possible that they did the same with us, but nonetheless. Um, Yes, so Gabby has um, hit her stuff in Bree's garage, except for the china that she is going to let Bree break inside. Just remember, you right. really liked this. And we get right back to it at Maisie's, and Rex is Rex has had a heart attack, apparently at the peak of his excitement. And to her credit, Maisie calls for an ambulance. Well, she knows the right thing to do. She knows the right thing to do. At the same time, there would be, like... Unless she, was, unless she was in the mood to move a dead body, um, right. letting him die was not only the wrong thing to do, but it would create more questions. At this rate, you know, yeah, there's going to be an ambulance, so there's going to be questions about that, but is it better than having a dead body in your house and then you have that mess to clean up, which we've uh, found from, from multiple people in this uh, series already, is kind of a chore. It's a lot. It's, there's a lot involved if you have to re do removal of the body and hiding the body, yes. And uh, particularly, um, I, I just had to think of so many things. I'm like, okay, so she calls 911 and the ambulance is coming. They're usually there pretty speedy in my experience. I've been pretty impressed. Um, but at the same time, you need to get out of your dominatrix clothes. Um, guys, definitely. you got to okay, unhandcuff she... yourself too. Oh my gosh, yes. So. Thank goodness. Hopefully that would have been the, the, the icing on the cake, right? <laughs> that that would have been reach. the Susan Meyer. If yes. it was Susan Meyer as the dominatrix, the key would have been like too far away for her to get to. And she would have been like handcuff dragging the dead body or the, the, the body across her floor. Like, I think you just created the spinoff, which is Susan Meyer, the absent-minded dominatrix. It's perfect. <laughs> Um, so thank you, Maisie, for, for calling the ambulance. You've restored my faith in humanity. Um, Brie is looking through Gabby's things in the garage. I didn't think, I mean, I thought it was a little judgmental. I read on a couple um, blogs when I was researching this episode. 
um, that somebody said she takes, you know, that she wastes no time in snooping through Gabby's shit. But I'm like, I thought she, I didn't think she was doing it in a judgmental way. She finds a picture of uh, Carlos and Gabby on their wedding day and she just looks um, charmed Whistful. by it. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That was way better Although, word. like, if I'm storing my stuff in your garage, I would hope that you wouldn't dig through it. You know? I guess that's fair. Okay, that's fair. I just... I wasn't. I, I don't know. And, and it, it it's your garage too, I suppose. But what, what's what's so important that you need to leave it at my house? You do have questions, but Gabby wasn't gonna answer any questions anyway. So, right, right. But that is true. Like she's putting all this stuff here. Why is it here? You want to make sure that you're in control of everything that's in your home. I get it. For the love, you know, it, it, like Andrew's pot could have been in one of those boxes, and you just have to make sure that you're not. Um, involved in any illegal activity like you know hiding things that are supposed to be seized from the by the government (laughs) right right um yeah so while this is going on brie gets a call from the hospital and rushes down there and identifies herself as uh rex's wife and Mm -hmm. causes some confusion for the nurse and then we notice that Maisie has signed the form and Bree notices that right. Maisie has signed the, the admission form and her her eyes immediately already have had a, already having had a conversation with Rex about were you with another woman and he's certainly not denying it. Now I've narrowed it down to who it is, but why else would that person have brought him to the hospital? Right? Right, right, right. <sighs> How's it going with the uh, Lynette nanny cam? Uh, well, Lynette has too much of a good thing at her house because Claire is winning. She is like Maria Von Trapp, honestly, mm. playing the guitar, doing a puppet show, which I'm sure was, I'm sure that was intentional that mm-hmm. way. But um, yeah, so Lynette is upset and doesn't like it. And so she plots to destroy Claire. <laughs> And it would be, it would, see, this is another reason that as like, like develop a relationship where you really trust that person and then walk away and don't look back because maybe you do see something you don't want to see. It's just not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's true. <sighs> um, Susan is mad at Julie for lying, but Julie's even more furious with her mother for, um, for telling on Zach, for telling Paul where she is. Now, again, that, that part I gotta say the adult thing to do and Susan says I had to be the adult in the room and Julie says well that that would be a nice change because you've been leaning on me ever since this divorce you've been ridiculous and and she gets in some good shots really good points um that she's had to be the adult in this relationship she really lights Susan up Mm -hmm. like lights her up and just Says, says some things designed to make her feel terrible, but I have no doubt that they're honest. Yes. You know? And as, as that kid who, like, that's confusing because Julie is the kid and Susan is the mom, but Susan's been treating her like her peer. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think that's a tough adjustment for Julie to be expected to make, and she's not happy about it. And if you were thinking... If you were of the opinion that I've had to make adult decisions and this was another adult decision and yet I'm being treated like a child, shouldn't there be some level of benefit to the fact that I have 
stepped up to responsibilities far beyond being a child, and therefore I should enjoy the fruits of that labor for some of us as adults is you know I'm the grown-up I get to make the I get to make the rules even if they're stupid rules if even if they don't make sense I'm the grown-up and I pay the bills so I'm going to do it and I kind of felt for Julie and some level of self-righteousness there is that yeah if you want to play that game then start making my doctor's appointments woman right right. (laughs) get yourself out of bed stop expecting me to be the mom yeah yeah then we find Gabby in an empty house, <laughs> and when the whoever it is shows mm-hmm. up, she's well. We don't like clutter, so I thought that was a funny. I mean, I'm sure that that kind of thing happens all the time. When Definitely, people, when people know that they're about to get about to lose their stuff, and we realize she misses Carlos, and and I think that this is like a really honest Gabby moment. Like she just, she realizes that he's the most important thing. And it's so genuine. And mm-hmm. we haven't been able to see that from Gabby, you know, even as, as early or as uh, recently as the last episode, it was, um, you know, Carlos adores, you know, he adores having me and that it, it really felt again, transactional and frustrating and that she really does miss him. And that she, isn't really just here for the materialistic life that she's come to know that they're he is her person um and she and she wants to do whatever she can to to get him home yeah so good luck (laughs) find that passport (laughs) back to lynette lynette is trying to read a book to her kids and the boys are like this is not this isn't good enough they've tasted filet mignon and now they're expected (laughs) to have a TV dinner and they literally ask her where's Claire and they want Lynette to do the voices and Lynette does the voices and they're not funny and you just see Lynette's spirits just fall because she feels defeated and when when this happens and and Lynette even tries. I thought she was doing some level of voice. Like, I could tell the difference between the the narration and the dialogue when she was telling the story at the very beginning. And then she, like, takes on more a caricature-ish way of, of doing those voices. And the boys, yeah, it's instant eye roll. And, you know, Claire does it better than you. Um, I am, again, I'm reflecting. Um, if, my, if my former nanny is listening to this, you should know. Um... My former nanny was a fantastic singer and played the ukulele um, to my daughter, and it was adorable and sweet and lovely, and she just had, you know, just a fantastic voice, Um, and then I would come home and sing a song with Addie, and she literally grabbed, took her hands, covered my mouth, and said, Mommy, Mommy, and shook her head no, and I'm like, yes, you are right. You have tasted filet mignon. That was exactly the right way to put it, Amanda. I'm like, oh gosh your tone deaf mother <laughs> versus your nanny who's a um, um uh, you know very musically inclined so oh, that's funny. nonetheless Lynette I feel you I, I hear you and I see you well let's head to prison Rachel what what's happening in prison so we say I, I just um those who have been justicely impacted um tell me if I'm using it wrong I thought Maybe it shouldn't be prison that maybe he's just in jail because he hasn't been convicted of anything, right? Prison is after. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. 
I wrote prison in my notes. That's bad on me. But yeah, wherever he is, the the the, the justice center that he's in. Wherever he's incarcerated. There we go. Um, yeah, Carlos notices that Gabby's nails are messed up, and I thought that was um, an interesting thing for him to notice. Uh, he's just used to her being very polished. Um, and she said, yeah, I was trying to hide some of our stuff and kind of, you know, had to get a little dirty, had to get a little messy. Um, and he's impressed that she's handling as well as she is. I think that that is a little backhanded in, in a couple of ways. Not that I guess I'm not impressed that she misses Carlos. That it's not just look at my life, look what you've done, look at all the things I don't have now and look at all the lengths I have to go to. Um, it is, uh, you know, he, he says, you know, you really are a true partner. I'm like, ooh, it, it's a little problematic if it takes this to realize that. But at the same, it, or, and, or, I didn't realize you were capable of handling this. That is how I was taking it. I don't know. But the other side of that, if we look at who Gabby was before mm. all of this happened, not before her life with Carlos, she hasn't seemed like a person that would problem solve and do all of this. So, I mean, to her credit, she's done it. And I can see how Carlos would say, like, I, I'm i impressed that you're doing this because this, I didn't see this level of motivation from you before. I, 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 that was well reframed. Yeah. So I, at this point, I think we're going to have a sweet moment and, and Gabby's like, we can just run away. We don't need all these things. And it seems like it's going to be really, really sweet. And then mm. Carlos leans in to kiss her and uses that as an opportunity to not whisper sweet nothings, but whisper directions on how to, how to protect him. So Gab, here Gabby's ready to like be real with her husband and he's just, that's not his motivation or his goal right now. I thought that was really, I really felt for her. I thought that was a sad minute for her. Absolutely. And she looks genuinely shocked when he says, you're gonna find you know you're gonna find a secret wall compartment any good story starts with a secret wall compartment um that'll have some papers and the passport she's he says bring the passport to the lawyer so that i can get bail and burn the papers and immediately gabby said did you know what tanaka was doing like you were involved in this and he won't answer he says you know he just repeats the information and it's the i think i didn't know if gabby knew that there was something kind of shady going on but that tells me there that she really is surprised like she she really it believed in carlos's innocence if not his you know maybe negligent but not necessarily committing a crime just you know getting involved in shady stuff without being the person who's doing the shadiest of it but she looks genuinely like shocked well, because now she's forced to pay attention to it. You know, she was kind of Fair. like living her own life there for a while, but now it's in her face and I feel for her. And like, you know, last episode I was super mad at her, but I feel for her because here she's showing up to be a partner and he's, she's, she's saying, did you know this? And he's essentially saying, I don't trust you enough to be honest with that information. Hmm. So I just, I feel like Gabby takes a big hit right here in this, in this section of the episode. And I, I felt bad for her, which that takes a lot for me to feel bad for her. So they continue to be a confounding couple. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What's Edie's, happening with Edie? Yeah, over, 
Yeah, well, over at Edie's, uh, or, well, wherever Edie is, uh, still looking for Mrs. Hoover. She's thinking about breaking into her house. Um, so Edie asks Lynette if she has a spare key to Mrs. Hoover's house. She says she left her laptop in there with some personal information. She doesn't want others to see it. Like, you keep your sex tape on your laptop, do right. you? Right. You have porn on there, Edie? Okay. Like, of your own, like, I'm like, of yourself. I mean, who's going to begrudge you that you, like, you looked at porn on your laptop, but I'm considering that maybe it's um, her naked pictures on there. Maybe. I, uh, I really enjoyed Edie's, you know, backhanded compliment to Lynette with, oh, wow, look at you. With you your know? own personal nanny. Or, but even like, wow, you don't look like a... Oh god! Right now, like, how are you? How are you yeah. looking so good? It's shocking. Oh yes, I hardly. It, it it almost. If it would have been Susan, it would have been. I hardly recognized you. So we don't go quite to that level of insult. But I, yeah, you're absolutely right, and I didn't note that. Um, but yeah, good for you that you had a nanny. I had a nanny once, and we learned it wasn't really a nanny. It was a social worker because her mom got put away for shoplifting. So. Yeah. You know, Poor like you Edie. do. Like, there's a lot of layers of trauma to Edie, and you know, yeah, this is an I, adverse I childhood experience we're talking about. She's got an ace. She's got an ace right there. And I feel if, well, double ace. If your mom's shoplifting, and then you also are um, in someone else's care, that would be double aces, right? And she obviously has addiction because it's she likes shoplifting and bourbon. Right. Right. So. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like this would have been written, no writing, this would have been written very differently in 2020 with Edie's character. Yes, there would have been, we would have rounded out her character and if Mark Cherry didn't end up hating Nicolette Sheridan, maybe we would have gotten even more of that, but we'll get there when we get there. Right. Um, Edie says that she, you know, Edie says it was the lesser of two evils when her mom got out of prison and she didn't have to be with the, the social worker anymore. Um, and then she just goes back to her search for, for Mrs. Huber, like you do. Like you do. <laughs> so we go over to Mike Delfino's, and Susan is, you know, reflecting on the things that Julie said and sharing with him that she's mad for not being a good mom, and, and Mike tries to tell her she's a good mom. And I think that Susan, I don't think feel like she was trying to be a martyr. I think she was being really reflective on the things that Julie said. and. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, they had this cute moment where Mike says, well, you can lean on me for those adult conversations. And she says, well, what about if my conversation is about the, the cute neighbor that I have or a cute plumber that I have a crush on? So, so cute. Such a cute moment for them. And I'm glad that Mike is, I mean, he, he had to have realized like there's a little bit of a train wreck there, um, mm -hmm. from the beginning, not just like the klutzy stuff, but you know, other things. Um, so for, for him to say, you know, you can tell me about those things that this isn't going to be a relationship where you're expected to pretend everything is perfect and, um, insta worthy all the time that, that he does want her to share those things with him rather, you know, and that she doesn't have to lean on Julie. He can be the other adult in, in this relationship. I think that was good. She, she needs that. She needs a partner. It's it sounded clear. like her the kids. first. What? Sounded like the first husband was a man child, so yeah, maybe a yeah. man man. And, and her a man man, and her kids shouldn't be treated as her partner. That's not fair. No, I agree, and and so we'll take some of the pressure off Julie too, and that's helpful. Yep. 
Oh, the confrontation with the mistress. So having found out that it was Maisie Gibbons, uh, Bree shows up at Maisie's and asks if she's having an affair with Rex. Just right there on the on the doorstep. No, no polite conversation first. No, she's being direct about it. She's no need. Being direct about it. And then we cut immediately. We'll come back right. to them. Um, over at Paul's, Zach asks if he has to go back to Silvercrest. Paul says he just wasn't sure what Zach was capable of. Is this when we're at dinner with the mashed potatoes? Yes. Power yeah. plays with the mashed potatoes, right? Right, right. We're using the mashed potatoes as an avoidance strategy. Zach is struggling to remember things, and Paul's like, yeah, push that down. Keep that in its box. We're not gonna we're not gonna remember the things. And again, I really like that you pointed out the mashed potatoes. I, I so felt like that was a power play is Zach, would you like more potatoes as opposed to Zach, if you don't take the potatoes, then you're going back to Silvercrest? I just I really I felt like there was more to that there. Right, right. It wasn't just a, I forgot I'd already asked you if you wanted it, these. And then leaving that scene with, isn't it nice to have everything back to normal? And it just feels so icky. Creep. creep. Feels creep. Yes. Oh, so let's go back to Maisie's. Maisie tells Bree that Rex still loves her and he has things that he needs that he's afraid to talk about with her. Can I just stop you right there, though? But the dulcet tones of, when, of how she's saying it. Rex still loves you. And it just seems so freaking condescending. Like, I'm angry. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> well, but that's their com- like competitive relationship, right? Mm. So she loves um, she loves when Brie asks her if she's ever fulfilled those needs for her. So that that was the turning point right there, I think, in in Brie's willingness to be compassionate towards her husband. Mm-hmm. So, and the the way in which. Um, this comes back to the pitying of me issue um, that that Maisie felt pitied by Brie at some point and has harbored all this resentment and you know again you couldn't dish on it but your husband is coming to me for something that you can't provide and that there was a smug satisfaction in that um, from this person that you felt pitied you and maybe you were right back then but you're certainly right now because um, Bree said you know that's really that's ridiculous if I told anybody about this like you should be nicer to me you shouldn't be this hostile towards me because if I told anybody you, you know you it w- you would be a pariah and Maisie says like in her power play you're not gonna tell anybody because then you're also implicated you might hate me but you would hate the humiliation more and Brie is just on point with yeah, I don't hate you. I pity you. And there it is. I, I don't know, though. I feel like no. she might hate her now. And Ooh. Maisie's right with the humiliation. And and I think that is why Brie can just is refusing to be vulnerable with anybody, like even her best friends. And it makes me, I, for me, that's what the saddest part for about Brie is how much of a burden she carries because she can't be vulnerable with anybody. Right. Maybe even including the therapist. They haven't been to therapy in a, in a while. No, they've been busy doing other things. Like hiding potential vehicular manslaughter charges for their child. Right, right. Oh. Well, how's Lynette? How's it going over with Nanny Cam? 
Um, at Lynette's, Lynette wants to set Claire up for some failure by making her feed Brussels sprouts to the kids. And I found it just really, you know, super, super sly when she, uh, when Claire says, no problem, I have this great trick with Brussels sprouts, I dip them in cheese. And Lynette knows full well that doesn't work, at least for her, um, because she's tried that before and she's not even going to tell Claire, you know, they're hard, they're hard on taking vegetables. Um, I tried the cheese thing. You might be surprised that it doesn't work. Um, she Instead, she says, oh, you're so smart. You're, you sly dog. Um, and lets her, um, lets her, you know, sets her up to fail. And she's very happy to see that when she reviews the footage on the play, uh, she is grateful that the boys throw the Brussels uh, sprouts at Claire, that at least she failed at that. And another bad Rachel nanny moment, um, when my daughter took processed food, I made sure that the nanny gave her the food that was gross, like the um, like the pureed Brussels sprouts and pureed chicken that taste awful, um, like the processed meat, like that crap. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I gave her the processed pears and the processed, um, you know, the, the fruit for the day, because I really did want her to have the association that mommy gives the good stuff. Oh. <laughs> I am the worst. Not the worst. My child still eats a fruit and a vegetable every day, and someday I'll tell her that story. She'll never listen to my podcast, so I'll tell her that story someday. Yeah, that's fun. Circle back when you let her know. <laughs> oh, Rex, Rex wakes up and Bree's there in a in a shirt that was surprising to me. Like, it didn't it didn't seem like it tracked for Bree with the off the shoulder with the little silky hanger um, thing hanging out. Did you notice that? You know the little yeah. ribbon. And I loved it. And yeah, it was like boat neck to the point of being off the shoulder. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. It just, she had, but she had like the silky hanger thing, ribbon sticking out that always happens to me with my sweaters. Oh, oh, like the, yeah. Oh no, I did not see that. I didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Brie, wow. You're, and I don't know. I'm I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it, it kind of added to the, like, this isn't going well for me right now. Look for Brie to not have everything put together. Man, I missed that. Thank you so much, Amanda. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it, it also, I feel like we're getting to a place where Brie's at zero fucks given. Um, yeah, yeah. And at maximum capacity right now. Her so I think that that would be indicative of that. Like having, you know, if she could have had a hair out of place, that would have done it too. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm there for that. So he has a pure moment where he apologizes and mm. and it seems like he's glad she's there and he like realizes that he misses her and wants her back and she uses that moment to her advantage. So that was I thought that was super interesting. Absolutely. And I thought it was well I thought it was very well done and um that she's going to take his money, his family and his dignity. Um and seems really, really satisfied with that. And she's, I mean, and she's, she's, she's so hurt. Like she really is betrayed. I find it interesting that, I don't know. I feel like she should, that she, that she would have known 
um, from the time that like he moved out that he would be seeing somebody at some you know at some point. Um, but the the fact that it maybe it's the fact that it was Maisie, somebody that she knows. Maybe it was the you know who knows. But she she says that I'm delighted to know that you still love me because otherwise this wouldn't hurt as bad. And I want you to I want this to hurt as much as it possibly can. Yeah, she was not pulling punches with that comment. So, and you can hear. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is not funny. Um, Rex's heartbeat in the back, his heartbeat elevating. And for somebody who just had a heart attack, like we have no, we're, we're not keeping things calm around here. Like I missed that. Oh, oh. that's funny. Oh, uh, no, it just, again, it's, I, I would imagine that she would have said something. She would have, um, gotten to the, gotten to a place where she's like, okay, you need to be calm. We can talk about this later. No, no, no I'm geez. not concerned. No. no. That brings us to the end of the story. So we circle back to Lynette, and she's leaving the kids with Claire with a little bit of a smug look on her face. Mm-hmm. Julie's still mad at Susan. Paul's just doing his normal creepy thing, and mm. Bree goes into a family law office. So what else? Um, Edie is at Martha's house with the police, um, and the, the last words, I guess I should have started there, but trust is a fragile thing. Once earned, it affords us tremendous freedom, Lynette leaving the house, but once trust is lost, it can be impossible to recover, Brie going into the law office. Um, of course, the truth is we never know who we can trust. Those who are closest to us can betray us, and total strangers can come to our rescue. Edie is not a total stranger to Martha Hoover, but you know what they're getting to the the police officers would have been. Um, yep. and, and in the end, most people decide to trust only themselves. It really is the simplest way to keep from getting burned. And we juxtapose that. We leave it, we leave it with um, feeling hurt. Uh, Gabby has decided that she can't trust Carlos anymore. So she does the opposite of <laughs> what she's supposed to do. Um, she's going to keep the papers and instead she's going to toss the passport into the fire. Yeah, we can tell that she's she is no longer on Team Carlos. Best of luck with the bail there, Carlos. Yeah. Oh, next week. Um, yeah, next week we have a special episode. Um, move on with a special guest co-host, Will Carroll of the We're Listening Fraser podcast. So uh, I'm de- I'm delighted to welcome him to Noisy Fulfillment. And Amanda, you're gonna have to listen and let us know what you think. I know. I can't wait to hear it. I'll listen to it before we come back for episode 12. Awesome. Well, until then, I'm Rachel. I'm Amanda. And this is Noisy Fulfillment. See you next time.